Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and happy birthday to us. It is the seventh anniversary of the first ever tennis podcast. Since David's not here, I will urge you not ever to go back and listen to the back catalogue because it horrifies me. But if David were here, he would say, go and listen to the back catalogue. It's great. There's seven years worth of podcasts to listen to. Uh, It is our second daily French Open 2019 podcast. Myself, Catherine Ritchie, alongside Matt Roberts. We've been watching and enjoying and and revelling in the day's play. Mark's out of 10, has it been as good as yesterday? Yeah, I think it has. I, yeah. I think it's probably, possibly even been better, just because it's had. there's been a fuller order of play. Um, I was thinking, was that first podcast the one where David infamously predicted Serena to win the French Open and then she went out in the first round? Oh my goodness me, it was. Serena uh, Williams' only ever first round defeat in a Grand Slam to Virginie Rosano. Yeah, which was here at the French Open and then today suddenly she found herself a set down, seven years on from David's prediction. How perfect would that have been? Yeah, I was trying to craft a tweet (laughs) thinking about how I would do it. Serena Williams, you wasted a golden tweet because she did win through despite losing the first set 6-2. To Vitalia Diachenko, she then won three six one six love in the preceding sets. Now, I don't really know what data to gather from that because I was not particularly impressed with Vitalia Diachenko. I don't know about you. I mean, there's no doubt Serena Williams did pick up her game, did start moving better. She was clearly nervous, really nervous in the first set. But equally, Diachenko was pretty poor. I thought. Yeah, it wasn't a high-quality match from either player, really. I think Serena started, as you said, nervously, and it was almost as though she knew that she didn't have much match practice and that she was vulnerable, and she just wasn't moving her feet. She was just looking stuck there in the clay, and Diachenko managed to take advantage of that well enough, but you always sensed if Serena was able to up her game, she would win. And then at the start of the second set, she started getting louder, she gave a few roars, a few come-ons, and then that brought her best tennis as well. She started getting better as she got louder. She was desperate to impose herself on Diachenko's that sort of 
slightly uppity type player that gives the impression that she's not going to be intimidated by anyone and it felt like after a set Serena went hang on a second you are going to be intimidated by me because I am Serena Williams I'm not having any of this Um, and she started roaring into action and fist pumping double faults and I thought oh oh dear oh (laughs) dear this match is over for (laughs) Diochenko yeah But, but it's a really compelling sight seeing Serena like that I think even when she's dominant, she manages to be compelling in a way that I think dominant athletes sometimes aren't. Sometimes dominance is a bit dull, but it never is with Serena. And Particularly in Paris, somehow. And then, and then when she's down, it's even more compelling because you see her having to fight against herself and her opponent. And she often says, doesn't she, that she feels like she has to face the best version of an opponent because the opponent so often plays up. I mean... I don't think that was the case today with Diakchenko, but it just every single match is such a huge task for Serena, and yet she manages to win so many of them. Yeah, I mean, I'd, how much of that first set performance was down to the knee injury? How much of it was down to the fact that she's only played one match on clay recently? How much was it down to nerves? I don't know what percentage distribution of factors lies therein. We're just going to learn more and more with each passing round. I don't think we know yet who she plays in the next round, either Yakupovic or, or Nara, is or it? Or Karimi Nara, yeah, yeah. who I believe is still on court. The reason why you're not hearing the dulcet tones of Simon Briggs, by the way, is because Kyle Edmund is still on court number one, uh, the bullring court, whose days are numbered. It's the last ring of the bullring court. Suddenly everybody's getting so nostalgic about the bullring court. I've never heard anybody speak that fondly about it before this year and now everyone's sort of mourning its loss prematurely but Kyle Edmund is currently serving 3-5 in the fourth set 15-30 it's it's going to a fifth isn't it I hope it's going to a fifth because otherwise I'm (laughs) otherwise you're going to have to urgent exit (laughs) yeah Um, but that is where Simon Briggs is otherwise detained Um, but we will give you soon to be out of date updates on the progress of that match Uh, what else has happened today Matt? Well, Joe Conter has finally won a match at the French Open. Uh, her, what is it? Her fifth attempt in the in the main draw to yeah, win. And I mentioned that to her in in what I thought were really um, jubilant uh, tones in the um, the on court interview I did with her after the match. Uh, my last question was, "In Joe, you'll never have to be asked again when you're going to win your first match at the French Open." And she said, "Well, I have won a match, just not in the main draw." And I oh. thought, "Oh, you have not taken that the way well. I intended." <laughs> Um, well, she has been defensive about that in the past, hasn't she? Last yes. year, she she had a bit of a go, didn't she, at the British press corps? She did. Simon calls it B word gate. B word gate. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if the B word is enough to to give us an explicit warning, but we've we've avoided it nonetheless. Um, I thought she was nervous, very nervous. And I was expecting her to be very nervous because it's it's not ideal for her a match like that where she's just hands down expected to win, especially in the circumstances of her never having won a, a French Open match. Um, so it and she she hits a big ball, Antonia Lotner. When she walked out, I'd seen her I'd seen a headshot of her, but I wasn't expecting her to be quite so tall and strong and, and long limbed and, and yeah, really long levers about her. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think, you know, probably a 7 out of 10 
for Joe Conta. Um, probably first set better than the second, but in the circumstances, you know, her desperation, I think, as, as much as she she would never ever use that word, she must have been absolutely desperate to, to get that win on the board. Um, and she now plays little Lauren Davis, mm. winner of the USTA uh, wildcard playoff, yes. I believe. I was otherwise engaged during the Conta match, watching someone else, who hopefully we'll get on to, but... Not before I tell you, Matt, that um, wanting to av- wanting to avoid ch- chat, <laughs> wanting to avoid questions that Conte could potentially take the wrong way. After our on-court experience, I asked her what her plans were for her day and a half off in Paris, thinking Champs Elysees, mm-hmm. um, Arc de Triomphe, you know, cruise down the Seine. She's going to play Scrabble, Matt. <laughs> those are the plans. She's going to play Scrabble. Um, I mean, great. I love Scrabble. Yeah, although it's not quite the Champs-Élysées, is no, it? No, she's not. I said in French, and she said no, not not in French. Yeah, although I did like Conta's answer in press about she was asked what she thinks the biggest difference has been for the upturn in her clay court results, and she said what she thinks she's doing is being more malleable, which is probably one of the few times that word's been used in a press conference, but it's one of the things that we've often said about Joe Conta that that she isn't so I thought I thought it showed a tremendous amount of self-awareness that she realizes that that was something she had to improve on and she's learned to kind of accept that sometimes her main style of tennis doesn't work and therefore she can make a few adjustments and that absolutely is a shift because when she lost to Putintseva here in the first round last year she came into press and she was asked you know your, your A game wasn't working and you just kept valiantly hammering away with 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 plan a just hoping it would start working at some point do you think that you need to develop a plan b um, or even c and d and she said no i know my game i know what works i've just got to to believe in it and um and trust in it um and and you know a plan b is is never going to be something for me mm. so and it's it's a definite shift and that stubbornness is great when it's working because when it is working and you, you're feeling that way about your game, you don't make any changes. You just think this is working. But it's when it's not working that she's really had problems. Uh, so, yeah, a good. I, think that's a, I thought that was a really good answer and a good sign for, for Joe Conta. What else has happened today? Well, Victoria Kuzmova has mm-hmm. won. She was who I was watching while Conta was playing. I'm noticing you're saying that differently. Yes, well, that was because... It came to my attention during the match that all this time I've been pronouncing it incorrectly as uh, Mariana Valjevic, the umpire, was saying Kuzmova, and she is always correct. She is a fantastic umpire. And, yes, she had to say it quite a lot because Kuzmova won a lot of games. She. Uh, <laughs> you sound so perky. Well, She's not in your quarterfinal lineup, Matt. I have... Well, we are on a break at the moment from her being in my quarterfinals. But what, what are you on with Diana Yastremska? Um, Matt, a downer. Matt's, Matt's pick for the quarterfinals lost today to Carlos Suarez Navarro, which was always a tough draw, Matt. It what w- were you thinking? It was a tough draw, and I I put that out on Twitter. I said I'm thinking of putting Yastremska in the quarterfinals, but I'm I'm worried about this obstacle in round one. Uh, but if she can come, but she, if she could have come through it, her draw would have opened up. But she was two points from winning Estremska and then just collapsed when she didn't take it and lost the tiebreak seven love and then lost the final set six Oof. love. 
And interestingly, so Yastremska was the champion in Strasbourg last week and Putin Seva was the champion in Nuremberg and both lost today. Well, that doesn't bode well for Sasha Zverev Doesn't bode well for Sasha Zverev, but Benoit Paire, champion in Lyon, did win today, so... Maybe he'll make the second week and keep up his run of playing every single week. Although he can't have played the second week of the Australian Open, can he? He didn't make the fourth round. No. So he's had the one week off. But, uh, yeah. But, yeah, Kuzmova looks a much better player now than when I picked her in January. Um, she was oh. really quite good. <laughs> <laughs> Matt Roberts expresses surprise at Victoria Kuzmova being, quote, really quite good. Yeah. Well, she plays Burton's next, who... She'll she, need to be really quite good. She Matt. will. She will. But they've played twice this year, both three setters. So, and she won wow. one, lost one. So it sounds it, like she's ready for a I, win. I've got that on upset alert. Right. Okay. <laughs> Keith Burns was good today. Wasn't she? she was good. Sort of yeah. unremarkably solid and good. And she's just one of those people now that you just expect to progress through these early early rounds pretty pretty unscathed. And that is what she did. Today, uh, Bianca Andreescu is on court at the moment, set down. She's another sort of unknown quantity, injury-wise, not played since Miami. And, uh, and actually, it's interesting about Canadian tennis. Something we didn't mention yesterday was Auger-Aliassime withdrawing, unfortunately. Yes. And it's, it's this irony at the moment that Canadian tennis as a whole is in such rude health, yet all their players seem to be injured. Yeah, poor old Mark Masters from TSN, <laughs> the uh, the Canadian rights holder for this place, who I see um, sort of daily at every single slam. You know, we're always at the Lavazza press calls to speak to Carlos Moya or Uncle Tony or whoever it is, which is what we had today. Um, and we're always at the Legends All Access Hour together. And he was trudging around looking not too pleased with the world at the moment because obviously Audrey Aliassime withdrew, Milos Raonic withdrew, Shapovalov has lost today in straight sets to Yelenad Struff which we might touch on uh, if we have time although maybe we won't because that was kind of entirely what we all thought would happen. Yeah well you you called it in our in our newsletter you you had Struff winning. In honour of our birthday Matt this is the first time ever, I believe, that the three of us, <laughs> myself, Matt and David, have scored a full house of correct predictions in one day. We do, during the slams, we do, well, throughout the year, we do weekly predictions in our newsletter because apparently someone decided we needed to do more predictions. And during the slams, we do daily newsletters and daily predictions. And it's a lot peaked, of predictions. We've peaked too soon. We have. We, I mean, we nailed it today, to be fair. What was your prediction? Mine was Filip Krajanovic to beat TFO. Which took five sets, it but it happened. It did take five sets. And David's was? Kuzmova to beat Cornet. <laughs> Someone took him off the, about He Kuzmova. was jumping on the bandwagon there. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. 
For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Sticking with the women's other notable results wasn't Yaki went out, but, I mean, her leg was practically in plaster. I couldn't really believe it when I saw her hobble out onto Philippe Chatre. It was it's quite a difficult sight seeing somebody play so clearly injured, especially somebody like Wozniacki, who's obviously not there to, to collect the first-round prize money. You know, why, why, are you, why are you risking it by putting yourself out there, especially at a... Like with Kerber, a slam where she's never really gone into it, the French Open, believing that she has a chance of winning it, I don't think. And yet she won the first set six love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's difficult, I think, generally with Wozniacki at the moment. We know that she's suffering with an illness that is chronic and she's really struggling this year. And her ranking, you know, she was number one in the world just over 12 months ago and now especially on clay you don't expect her to perform particularly highly but even at the other events she's not been a huge factor this this year it's it's, it's quite tough to watch at the moment yeah i'd agree with that sam Stozer's one through and i'm i mean i like barbara she's great fun but i'm pleased for sam Stozer. uh that happened over on simon mathieu kaikinepi one ash barty another one in the sort of Kiki Burton's category of just she's unremarkably won three straight sets, three and three. That's just what you expect her to do. Yeah, absolutely. And she is in the Serena section, so as she was last year. Yeah, and she Serena. Was, that was kind of the performance that awakened Serena last year, wasn't it? When she beat Barty, and then she had to pull out of that match against Sharapova, but then she went on to make finals at Wimbledon in the US. So it'd be. I think Barty's a much better player this year, though, so 
that is a fourth round that I would love to see happen. Um, Elise Mertens has won through, who I think we decided was our kind of cut-off for, for plausible for potential champions. The, the mix cut-off on yeah. the women's side. So Elise Mertens through to the second round, remaining in the mix. But an unfortunate thing happened in the women's draw today was that Petra Kvitova pulled out before play started, I think. It was, it was it, it yeah. Was early with a grade two tear in her left forearm, which before the tournament, she had said in her press conference, I'm here, I'm ready to go, I'm fine. And then she seemed to do something maybe in practice, was How it? many grades are there? Is It's grade two out of... I don't know. I'm, I think, I mean, grade one is the least severe, right? Yeah. I've, I've, I mean, if it's grade two out of ten... I'm, then pr- I'm pretty sure I've heard four hooray. mentioned okay. before. All right, so, OK. But I think she said two to three weeks out, she's hopeful for Wimbledon, and if she... Oh, it doesn't sound like a ten, then, does it? No. Well, it's a two. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a two out of two. It's... No. Oh, dear. How many people are still listening to this <laughs> podcast? Happy seventh birthday, everyone. Uh, we really hope she's fit for Wimbledon, don't we? Yeah, because she has been playing so well all year. She feels like, and so well and so consistently well. Like She's been putting it together week in, week out. And you feel like she, if she was fit and healthy, she could have won this tournament. And her chances go up even more at Wimbledon. Well, obviously, she's a two-time champion. So I really, really hope that she is fit for Wimbledon. Yeah, absolutely. On the men's side, of course, we had the Djokovic-Nadal back-to-back smorgasbord of smorgasbord of champions yes of tournament favourites yes and they both and they did exactly what we expected Nadal them to. and Djokovic played really well possibly I mean Nadal I expected to to race through with all um, due respect to bloke whose name I'm struggling to remember Hanfman Yannick Hanfman I asked how many games we thought he might get and the general figure was four or five and I think he got seven so well done Hanfman he did pretty well really her catch, I thought, I mean, he absolutely didn't disgrace himself against Djokovic, but equally I thought maybe there would be a bit more to exploit nerves-wise there. I just thought, I just met, I was expecting slightly more. I don't want to do the guy a disservice. He's, he's young, he's, he's very new to that kind of stage, but were I thought game-wise he could have troubled him. Were you more. expecting more from her catch or less from Djokovic? I was expecting Djokovic to find it in the end. I wasn't okay. expecting him to make such a strong start. I thought there would be a lot of nerves there from Djokovic, and I thought if her catch could come out and rise to the occasion and not be too cowed by the whole experience, that, that there might be a, a chink to exploit, which there so rarely is with Djokovic, but, but absolutely not, not today. Yeah, as you said, that start was crucial. We, we see it so often, don't we? Is if, if these top players win a first set, Curtains. you virtually have no chance. I mean, the, the statistics bear that out. And Djokovic just jumped on him straight away and got an early break and raced, raced ahead. And obviously, everyone draws the comparisons with her catch to Murray, don't they, with its kind of mannerisms and everything. And Djokovic maybe put that in his mind and because he's obviously done that to Mario a lot in the past just jumped all over him and raced away the other mix worthy male player that we've had on the schedule today Dominic team in soon to be out of date tennis news is still on court um, perhaps a little unexpectedly on Suzanne Longlim because he dropped the second set to Tommy Paul of the United States which 
I'm not sure anybody except for maybe David Law saw coming. David is going to feature on our seventh anniversary podcast because neither Matt or I have been following the the live scores of this one um, in a little bit of disbelief, but we haven't been able to watch any of it. David Law, though, at home in Solihull, post-barbecue, check out our Instagram if you want to see pictures of David in a personalised barbecue apron, uh, has been uh, watching every single ball struck in this match. What's he had to say, Matt? He said, Tommy Paul is playing a brilliant match. He's a proper dirt baller. Who knew, Matt? Who I didn't. knew? I thought it, I thought team was a dirt baller. I thought Tommy Tommy Paul. What springs to my mind when you say Tommy Paul to me, and it's it's not a lot, <laughs> but what springs to mind is I think he was a junior Wimbledon finalist. That is potentially brilliant which, Wimbledon <laughs> junior knowledge, which doesn't shout dirt baller. To no, me, but revelations all around so that's Dominic team he has actually won the third set so two sets to one most likely in a break up in the in the fourth now so most likely on route to victory Carl Edmund won all in the fifth so that one really on a knife edge and goodness me if Carl goes on to lose that that's a toughie that would be loss number six in, six a, row, in a row five on it would be winless on the clay this season I, I spoke to uh, Leon Smith this morning happened to bump into him uh, on his way in on on um, he was heading in to watch watch go to Carl's practice and then of course to, to watch him later on he said it's absolutely nothing this run is nothing to do with his tennis he's hitting the ball so well in practice uh, it's all about his confidence and just needs a little bit of luck needs to get that momentum rolling I mean if he could win this I think it would be massive and if he loses it It'll also be massive. But then at least the clay will be behind him and he can start afresh on his least favourite surface, the grass. But, well, that's it, isn't it? The clay has, has always been the surface where we've thought Kyle Edmund would have the best results. And yet it's been the surface where he hasn't really. So he's had the biggest room for improvement. And it comes around once a year, the clay court swing. And it just feels like such a missed opportunity this season on the clay. If he what, he's won one match on it, I mean... Just, when was the one match? Did he win one in um, his Marrakesh? I think he won his first match against, I want to say it was Umber. And then he's lost everyone since, I think. It's a tough run. Mm. Um, in terms of Nadal, no, you're pointing yeah, at no, no, Nadal. No, no, no. You're, you're pointing at some diligently made notes, Matt. And yeah, I but, don't want to miss a moment. Yeah, but they're on Nadal. Oh, <laughs> fire away. What have we got? Well, two. Well, one interesting thing and one weird coincidence in that he's... So today he played a German qualifier called Yannick and next round he plays a German qualifier called Yannick. Well, I mean, what are the is, chances of that common, happening? How common a name is Yannick in Germany? Answers on a postcard. Yeah. But the, but the thing that is interesting technically about Nadal's game, he gave an interview in L'Equipe where... Remember at the start of the year how we were all talking about Nadal's new service motion? Yes. Well, he said that he kept it for Monte Carlo. And in Monte Carlo, we saw that graphic where he wasn't getting as many forehands off the serve as he did in previous years on clay. And we wonder whether that was to do with his tweaked service motion not, not being quite as effective or bringing him the ball he wanted. That is still speculation, really, but he then cha- he says in this interview with Lequipe that he changed the service motion for Barcelona because he wanted 
the sensations that he's had previously on the clay to come back and he thought that that started with the serve and he's kept it and he's planning to use it for the obviously the rest of this tournament but then he thinks he might switch back for the grass so all this tinkering seems slightly weird why don't you just go with what works Rafa but it's interesting that he has made the change consciously for the clay and obviously since Barcelona we have seen better better performances on the clay from him and perhaps we'd need the data but perhaps he is now getting more forehands off that off that serve but a well-placed serve is a, is a well-placed serve on any surface but I think I think the reason for the change at the start of the year was to get a bit more power on the serve and I think that I suppose that makes sense that you'd want that on the grass as well but which was very notable in Australia right up until the final yeah wasn't it? And uh, I spoke. Uh, I spoke at one of the aforementioned uh, Lavazza-based media opportunities uh, to Carlos Moya earlier on today, which I've just realised is very fitting because he was our guest on the first ever oh, yes. tennis podcast seven years ago today. Don't go back and listen, folks, because <laughs> we've all improved a lot as broadcasters since. That, well, particularly me. I mean, David. David knew what he was doing. <laughs> um, but yeah, spoke to Carlos Moya today, and he. Rafa played he didn't play down down the significance of, of winning in Rome but I think he he played down the significance of beating Djokovic in the final in Rome he wasn't engaging in the narrative of, of it being any kind of revenge for the Australian Open final or, or that, the, that the Australian Open final was even anywhere in his mind whereas Carlos Moya volunteered that oh, really? information I didn't have to mention the Australian Open final I said you know Rafa is so much about confidence, seemingly even more so than than your average player. Um, how big was it for him to to a win Rome and b to do it, beating Djokovic in the final? And he said it was huge. And he 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 immediately said because what happened in Australia that hurt, and it was really important to him to supplant that memory with a better one. So I, I found that really interesting, and I think. I think I I still think what happened in that Rome final is is more significant than perhaps some other people do. If we do end up seeing Nadal v Djokovic, do you in think the final, it's more significant than what happened in the Australian Open final? The fact that it's more recent and it was on clay, or not, do you take Grand Slam final five sets? What's it's difficult to weigh these things up and see. I don't know, but certainly if the if the Rome final hadn't happened then I would 100% be saying Nadal-Djokovic final, Djokovic to win it. Mm, okay, yeah, I think I probably agree Large, with you. Largely influenced by, by what did happen in Australia, because yes, it was hard court, but it was such a demolition. It was. And the thing with Djokovic's tennis is that even though this is a clay court and Nadal is so much better on clay, Djokovic has got a style that he can bring to a clay court as well and can hurt Nadal. Any other observations from Nadal's match? Because I just want to have a look at the draw. Because one thing I was going to follow up with is to say that I think I think what Nadal needs is for Djokovic to have some legs taken out of him over the course of the next few matches. So I just want to have a look. Well, he's got Henry Laxanen in the next round. Yeah. <laughs> Sam Query's replacement. Oh, I've given Sam Querrey a mention on the podcast. That doesn't happen very often. Wow. Being um, being understudied to Sam Querrey. 
Djokovic will beat don't him. Pop it, <laughs> don't pop that on the CV. Um, and then the, a potential third round meeting with either Gilles Simon or somebody whose first name I'm having to look up because I've never heard of it was S. The, Caruso before. It was, yeah, the person who beat Jaume Muna today. Which is quite a win, really. And actually, yeah. I've just seen he's a qualifier, Caruso, so that's four wins on the bounce for him. Yeah, one of 11 Italians to start the main draw here, which is the most number of Italians in the men's draws for about 12 it, years, I 11 think. 11 in the men's alone? Yeah. Wow, which is a huge deal Sorry. for them with... Nine. Nine. And 11 altogether with two in the women's draw. I mean, nine is still huge, especially with the uh, ATP finals going to Turin yeah. in a couple of years. What else is happening? I mean, I said we might touch upon Shapovalov. Should we do it, Matt? We've got a, a couple of minutes to spare. Yeah, I'd like to mention Air Bear as well. Yes, let's do Air Bear instead because Shapovalov okay. lost in straight sets to Struth, and that's we all, all there thought is that to was going to really. happen. Yeah, Air Bear, far away. Well, it's the first time he's not playing doubles with Mao at a slam oh, since R- 2014. R.I.P. Mao Air Although I think I think they're going to come back next year. For the Olympics, I think well, they've said. If Mahu will have him. Well, quite, yeah. Um, but obviously... Never Ma- go back to your ex. <laughs> Don't do it. Mahu last, yesterday was probably the biggest result for the locals here and coming back from two sets down. And then Herbert did the exact same thing today against Medvedev. Great win for Herbert. And I had in my quarterfinal line-up. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Medvedev, it's good news for Nadal, also that, I would yes. say. Medvedev summed that match up in 11 words. His press conference was 11 words long. He said, this isn't going to be 11 words, so I can't remember <laughs> what it was off the top of my head. But he said, he started playing better at the end of set two. That was it. Do you think it was so awkward that any further questions people had, they decided just to ditch? Ditch, yeah. I think that might have been the really? case. Um, but then I went to our Bears press conference and I tried, you know, I asked him a little bit about how inspired he was by... In, in what language, Matt? Well, I asked him in English. Oh. And uh, cop-out. Speaking French in a room full of French people no, is intimidating. I've, I've never been able to do it. Yeah. Um, and he said that even when, you know, even when we're not on the court together, we're clearly thinking the same and doing the same sort of thing. Like there was oh, this, and that's this, so beautiful. I know. <laughs> that's really got me. And his, his face lit up at the mention of Mao, and they clearly have this connection. It was almost like, like how twins can, I think, kind of sense what the other one, or that's often what's said, isn't it? The twins can kind of... How do you think he told him? Did anybody ask him that? How... How we reached the decision, how we broke the news to to his his twin <laughs> that he didn't want to be twins anymore. No, I don't know. But just go and ask him that deep, okay. deeply unpleasant, him awkward that. question yeah. in the next yeah. press conference, Matt. <laughs> he, uh, but but he is focusing. He has made that conscious decision to focus on his singles. That's the reason why they're not together anymore. And he was asked whether he regretted not focusing on his singles earlier if he's capable of this kind of tennis and he said no because I simply wouldn't be the singles player I am today without the doubles he really credits the doubles for getting him through moments in matches that he had to experience today and also just generally improving improving his game doubles is coming back into fashion I think I think in in three four years time, all the most of the top players will be playing doubles. There you go. There's my prediction. Um, Kyle Edmund still embroiled in a fifth set 
Dominic Team looks like he's going to win. Bianca Andreescu is a breakup in the second. So TBC on that one. Just a very, very quick look ahead to tomorrow's schedule. Um, Philippe Chatre starts with Sasha Zverev against John Millman. Naomi Osaka next up against Karolina Schmidlova. Samina Halep against Tom Ljanovic. And then Monfils against Toro Daniel Del Potro. Garcia... Uh, Pui and Madison Keys on Longland. Fanini uh, is on Simone Mathieu, as is Ostapenko v Azarenka. Upset alert, or does it even count as an upset? I don't know, but I've got Azarenka winning that one. Sabalenka, in need of wins, takes on Sibulkova. And uh, Court 7 is the place for British interest. Dan Evans uh, is taking on Fernando Vidasco in the third match, then Cameron Norrie against Bontrachy. How are you saying that? I've name? never said it before in my life. Bon, no, Bonchatree. Bonchatree. Cam Norrie against Bonchatree. <laughs> <laughs> First up on court seven. Uh, do you see any upsets tomorrow, Matt? Yes. Where? Um, I think Sabalenka yeah. could be very vulnerable. Um, Does it count as an upset, though? Well... Yeah. Anywhere else? Anywhere in the men's? Any upsets? No. I've, I'd, I'd have Del Potro, Jerry. I think I actually have Del Potro in my quarterfinals, but I think that's a tricky first. Horrible round. draw. Yeah. Horrible draw. Um, Vivrinka won through today. That's my that's my footnote. Oh, another footnote. We've been instructed to include it by David Law, the absent David Law. It'd be rude not to on the podcast's birthday, given that David isn't here to celebrate with us. Paul Jubb. Paul Chubb, who has won the... It sounds like a comedian's name, doesn't it? <laughs> yes. Maybe he is a comedian. I don't know. I didn't know didn't know he existed until a few days ago, and he's done this amazing thing. He's won the US College Tennis National Championship, the first Brit to Which do so. Which is a big, big deal. Big, big deal. Yeah. Especially now, as it feels like college tennis is really coming back into fashion as a, as a pathway onto the, onto the tour. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of guys, isn't there? Um, Steve Johnson, Kevin Anderson, John Isner, loads of them. And I think I think I saw mention that you know John McEnroe has won that. Yeah, because he went and played at Stanford for mm. at least a year. I think possibly two. I don't think he completed his his course, but he's a tremendous advocate for college tennis. I know it's something that Leon Smith really believes in Cam Norrie, Cam Norrie obviously yeah. went through that system it it does feel like that is it, it, I, I think because the physicality of the sport particularly on the men's side although obviously Daniel Collins has done the same but the physicality of the sport is such that you're not going to be winning Grand Slams at 17 anymore those those days feel like they're over or at least out of fashion at the moment so you can afford to to take some time to to mature your game w- before you come onto the tour and also when you're 18 to 21, dealing with life on tour must be incredibly difficult, spending so much time away from home, whereas if you're in a college environment, you're surrounded by friends, team, teammates, and by the time you get onto tour, you're more mature and older and better, better able to deal with it all, I imagine. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I cannot imagine 17, 18-year-old me having to... <laughs> Having to cope with any any of the experiences that go hand in hand with being a being a tour player, so Paul Job, Paul 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 Job, nailed it. <laughs> One to watch for the future, guys. Paul Job. Um, that's it for day two at the French Open. Happy birthday to us. 
Bon anniversaire. Join us tomorrow for seven years and one day of the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph, uh, with our executive producers, TennisBalls.com, with Rio with a Y, our official mascot and lovely canine, and all our other supporters over the past seven years. We're grateful to you. have been stopped by a few people uh, today, all of them delightful, um, that have said how much they love the podcast, and it really, really is very touching. Matt has been stopped today. Yeah, shout out to David Kalina, who I said I would mention. He, he said, are you grad, Matt? And I said, uh, yes. He, w- he, was, he was at Cosmova's match. I had, had that influence on him that he... Thought he would get a second row ticket for Courtsimo and Mathieu to watch Cosmova. So that was great. Tennis podcast team, trendsetters as always. We'll see you tomorrow. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 